It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian broadcasting from the Morton studio. And on Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can email us radio at agphd.com as well. Brian, a lot of stuff going on out there. In our area, we're seeing crops finishing up pretty quick. We're seeing a few guys getting out into some soybeans. Uh, there's some corn that's really going fast. Just talked to a farmer maybe a half hour south of us that they had corn that was already down below 15% moisture. They were in a pretty tough drought area. And guys are going to pick some corn ahead of the soybeans in some areas too. Well, kind of a crazy yeah. Year. Now, yeah, it is. But... It's not like we didn't see this coming. We've been talking about this since June to say, um, please, please pay attention to your crop because everything's way ahead of normal. We had so many heat units. We were accumulating, at least in our region of the country, we farm in southeast South Dakota, by the way, we were accumulating more than double the amount of heat units from mid-May to at least mid-June. More than double. Well, what does that tell you? That mean that means that the likelihood is extremely high that harvest is going to be way early, at least for corn. So there's a big difference between corn and a lot of other crops. Corn matures based on heat. Soybeans, at least in the northern part of the country where we have uh, indeterminate soybeans, in other words, um, they aren't going to go based on heat or number of days or anything else. They're going to go based. They're going to mature based on when the days begin to shorten. So I don't care if you plant it April 1, May 1, or June 1. Once the days start getting shorter in, in late June, then the bean knows, oh, I got to start finishing. Okay, so my point is soybean harvest is almost always at the same time everywhere, except for, sure, if you have premature death because of drought or something like that, then, yeah, it'll be a little bit early. But, I, I mean, we've only had one year ever where we harvested corn before soybeans on our farm ever in the history of our farm well at least since i've been alive which is a long time ago and that was 2012 this year in 2012 we had unbelievable amount of heat units this year um not quite as many as 2012 but we were way ahead and so a lot of our corn is going for silage but even we have 114 day corn that is almost dry enough for grain harvest, that's unbelievable for our area of the country. Normally, if I had, let's say, 94-day corn, I might be considering harvest pretty soon here. But 114-day corn, that's unheard of. So, well, other than 2012. So anyway, yeah, this is one of the things where we don't want you to get caught, and all of a sudden you got 15% moisture corn, which means most likely you're going to have areas in the field that are 12% moisture, and you're going to end up with a bunch of corn in the ground. So I'd be checking if you haven't already, because in, I mean, just from what we know about the weather, we had so many more heat units, meaning you should be harvesting way earlier than normal. We were just talking about phantom yield loss on the show. I think it was yesterday. And we really do prefer, and granted, not everybody's in the same position we are where we have grain dryers on our, on our farm, but we prefer harvesting corn between 20 and 24% moisture. Now, can you go wetter? Sure. But I, I, I'm not super comfortable going much wetter than 24%. It costs a lot more money to dry it and everything else. But still, uh, 
when you get that corn down below 20%, you just have a lot more risk. The, the stock isn't as good. The ear isn't as good. The shank isn't as good. You're more likely to have drier areas in the field because everybody says, oh, my, my corn's now at 18%. Okay, average, but I'll bet you have areas already. If you're 18 average, you got areas in that field that are 13, 14, 15%. I'll almost guarantee you. It's the same thing with soybeans. You say, well, I, my beans right now are averaging 12, so it's time to go. Well, you probably could have pulled some spots out earlier, and I know it's a pain to pull out spots, but we in, we've ended up doing that here the last few years. We will again this year. I, I don't mind it so much. I get some of my work done, but I'm trying to hit the moisture just right and reduce the amount of loss that I have out in the field. So anyway, we could talk a lot more about that, but uh, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Okay, so Darren, I wanted to start with this one, and I'm, I'm probably going to talk later in the okay. show about it. Tell you what, I, you're going to talk on oh. that one quite a bit. Let me, oh, okay. let me just yeah, hit, some, let me hit some yeah. quick hitters yeah. here. Yeah, go ahead. we got just a couple minutes for the first break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some soil test stuff later. All right, we got this one in from Jonathan, and he said, uh, looking, looking for some identification help on this particular weed, uh, it looks similar to uh, wild violet or possibly creeping Charlie. Just wondering what you think it is. And yeah, that definitely looks like a wild violet. So uh, you mentioned huh. here, uh, you sent back a follow-up email. Hey, uh, Google Lens called it sweet violet. Yeah, sweet violet or wild violet. It's, it's one of the violet species. Yeah. It's a perennial weed. Uh, so you want to knock that one hard. Well. Hey, let me say this too. Sometimes we get real hung up on, is it exactly this weed or this other weed? Guess what? If you've narrowed it up to, oh, it's one of a couple of weeds, a lot of times those weeds are similar and the control methods might be the same. So I don't care um, exactly which one you have, but Darren said a key word there, perennial. If you've got a perennial, you can try to go out there with, let's say it's an lawn and you're going to go out there with 2,4-D. What's the 2,4-D going to burn? do? It's going to burn it to the ground, and that's about it. So this is a good time of year to be knocking those things back because if you dramatically weaken it, it's injured. Now it's going to go into winter, and hopefully winter kill finishes it off. Yep, that's a big deal. So, uh, so yeah, once you identify the weed, just just take a hard swing at that thing and and knock it out. But I'd say this too: be careful in lawns. A lot of times, folks are asking about, well, what about stinger and what about uh, milestone and those kinds of things. Those aren't designed to put in your yard where you have desirable bushes and trees. And stinger, uh, there's there's potential there if you get it in your eyes for some bad things. So, be really careful about those. Uh, we we like free lex and those types of products around the farmyard. They work pretty no, no, nice. No, no, stop. We like free lex. Period. <laughs> there aren't other types of products like that. It's unique. It's that's the new two four D. It doesn't volatilize all over the place. All right. Thanks for the question, Jonathan. It's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD Radio Show. If you have a question, you can call us at eight four four forty four Ag PhD. Stay tuned. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions. You can email us radio at agphd.com or you can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD to talk about what's happening on your farm. Let's head out to Colorado to start things off. We've got Mitch on with us right now. Mitch, thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, how y'all doing today? We're doing well. We're doing well. What's happening Good. out in your, your area? Oh, we started picking some dryland corn yesterday, and that's going pretty well. Um, faucet turned off, and it's drying out pretty quick. So, <laughs> yeah, it's drying off pretty quick out here too. What What are you seeing as you get started? Is are the fields relatively even, or are they as variable as what we're seeing here? Oh, moisture is about as variable as anything. I'm picking corn anywhere from twenty to sixteen. So. <laughs> What do you like to try and get? Do you like to get 20% moisture or, or would you prefer a little drier? I'd prefer a little drier just to kind of save some drying costs at the elevator. You're coming off the combine and whatnot. But, you know, as far as actually picking it, I'd kind of rather pick it a little bit wetter. If I can find a feedlot I can run wet corn to, then I'd, that'd be a great deal. But Sure, so. sure. What, what else you got out in the field? Is corn the last crop to go or you got some other things out there too? Oh, still got some soybeans out there under a pivot that's wanting to start to turn on a couple days here, and we'll see how those go. Um, those caught pigweeds and water hemp pretty pretty hard this year, so they'll be definitely sprayed, desiccated down, and harvested off. Hopefully doesn't make that too big of a chore. <laughs> hey, talk to us about that pivot just a little bit. There's a lot of debate okay. about how long do you continue to irrigate on soybeans. Are you limited in how much water you can use, or do you just get tired of the expense and the work at some point? Uh, we Out here we are limited by permit, which really is quite a bit of water that we can actually use on permit. And I mean, as far as water table concerns, that's how that works there. But um, I would say on beans, I don't really know exactly when to turn them off. Um, this is very sandy ground, so I'd, 
I chose to kind of turn them off about the time when I started seeing full pods and saying it's probably about time that it, you'd start shutting the plant down. So Sure, sure. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the desiccation then. Are you just waiting till those beans detach from the pod wall, or what is kind of your guideline as to when to do it? I'm looking more for color and as far as number of leaves that are starting to drop already. So I've got probably the bottom couple nodes that are yellowed out leaves and still have green pods, so it's probably going to be about a week yet at least So before that goes. Do you use Sharpen? Do you use Gramoxone? What what kind of products do you like for, for desiccation? Uh, for this, I'd probably go with Sharpen. Um, Gramoxone is nice. It gets everything good and dead real fast, uh, but there's that post-harvest interval to it, so then you're just kind of sitting there waiting and watching them shatter out for seven days or whatever the label does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. no fun. That's no fun. Sharpen kind of fits into the program where I'm going in with weed afterwards and oh, perfect. kind of hopefully get control of that water hemp issue down the road when it's wheat. So Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you seed wheat in the fall or do you seed wheat in the spring? We seed wheat in the fall around here. So, And what is your ideal kind of planting window for, for winter wheat? Whenever it can get in. <laughs> so Political answer, Mitch. That's a political answer. <laughs> It's usually about the time of year where it starts to kind of want to try to rain on us a little bit, and then it doesn't really want to, and you're usually drilling it into dust and hoping for the best, so. Yeah. Yeah, you just never know with winter wheat, that's for sure. Well, Mitch, uh, great talking to you here. Good luck on the corn harvest. Hopefully things are going well for you guys. All right, sounds great. Thanks, sir. You bet. Let's head down to Iowa. we got Josh on with us right now. Josh, how are you guys doing? Not too bad. How about yourself? Pretty good. How close is harvest on your farm? Uh, we're basically waiting on equipment to get squared away, and I think we're going to try. It's probably a little early, but we want to try. So we'll go We'll go from there. All right. So which crop are you starting into first? Um, I'm going to try some corn. There you we go. Had, we had some uh, early, not too early planted, but uh, uh, short, shorter maturity, like 104 day, which is a little early for us. And we just stuck one in, and then we switched over to beans when we planted. And uh, uh, that, with all the heat, the 10 days, I think, above 100 there a couple weeks ago, uh, it, it got a little got a little uh, mature pretty quickly. Oh, so it, it, pushed, it pushed it fast. And the other yeah. thing that, that I'm seeing, too, just looking at, at a lot of pictures online, is tar spots, and that's pushing things along. I know it's pretty close to you guys. Did, did it happen to you, too? No, we actually avoided it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So how did you avoid it? Fungicide or just lucky that uh, it didn't quite get to your area? I'd, I'd like to say it's expert management, but I'm probably <laughs> pretty sure it was luck. And uh, we did fun- do a couple fungicide passes. Oh, yeah. So I think that that, that helped. We never never had a time that we didn't have some kind of fungicide that was supposed to be working at the time. Yeah, I think a lot of guys would say, man, that's ideally what I'd like to do, but sometimes it's difficult to get an applicator to come. Do you have a high clearance sprayer or do you bring in a, a plane or a helicopter or something like that? We don't. I have an agronomist who has access to one and Perfect. he's done a lot of legwork and uh, he sets up the logistics. And if, if his isn't in the area, he finds another guy who, who can do it. So it's kind of a teamwork makes the dream work kind of deal and and. It, he, he puts in a lot of time and effort making sure the logistics 
can happen. Yeah, I think with all the communication tools that we have nowadays that that there would be more of that because equipment is just so expensive. It's it's nice when you can get it over more acres and and certainly this fungicide market is demanding more acres be applied. Uh, how about on the soybeans? How do they look this year, Josh? Everything looked really great. If you I would have talked to you 45 days ago, I would have probably been dancing, uh, but we've had about a tenth of an inch of rain in the last 45 days, and I was out in the beans the other night just popping a few pods open see how close we are. And those uh, extra beans in the pod have completely uh, dried up and withered away, and it it's it's not it's not great. Let's put it that way. But uh, there's beans out there, but not what we were hoping for. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've talked to a number of guys that said, "Oh man, it could be really good here if we just miss the white mold or whatever." But when it just quits raining. Uh, white mold's mm-hmm. not the concern anymore. There's there's bigger <laughs> fish uh, to fry with that. Oh, that's that's too bad. So early, what happens uh, early? On, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Nope, nope. You finish up, Josh. Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, early August we had about two and a half inches of rain, and I was out walking. I think it was August 10th or so, and I was like, I can't believe I'm walking in mud in the middle of the bean field in August. This is great, and that was about the last time it rained. So uh, that was. That was about it, but it it pushed the beans down. They were weighted down, you know, with leaves and everything, and it flattened them out pretty good. So harvesting should be kind of an adventure. They're a little a little flat. <laughs> oh man, insult! Uh, an insult to injury there. Hey, talk to me about after harvest. Then, what do you guys do? Do you do tillage in your part of Iowa? Do you do fertility applications, manure? What comes next? Uh, we are kind of away from a manure source. I would love to have one, but we're kind of in a weird spot in Iowa. I know there's lots of confinement houses that usually have, have it around, but we are kind of in a spot. We don't really have a grain elevator within 20 miles of us and we don't have much manure available. So, uh, we'll, we'll leave the beans alone and maybe put our anhydrous on once the ground cools down. And then, uh, if we can, uh, we usually try to rip our, our corn ground that's going to beans next year just to get the stocks worked in. Um, one of the things we're waiting for to start harvest, uh, we got a chopping corn head coming. Oh, awesome. And hopefully that speeds up the breakdown of the stocks because um, our stock residue management has been kind of a kind of an issue over the past few years. So we try to get that underground to let it kind of decompose over the winter and break up a little bit yeah yeah they're not we try to get some fall stuff applied sure sure yeah the chopping corn heads not cheap but man we've sure been happy with the investment in our farm it's it's really helped with that residue breakdown like you say and and just getting residue to flow when you've got it all chopped into small pieces it makes it a lot easier to work with with everything else you're doing for sure well, Josh, uh, good luck to you guys as you get started here, and it's exciting. Congratulations on getting that new equipment, and hopefully everything goes well for you at this harvest. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You bet. You too. It is almost the weekend here. It's Farmer Friday on today's program. If you have an agronomic question or want to talk about what's happening on your farm, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. 
so we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y.com. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Yeah, starting to hear guys getting in the field. That's exciting. Uh, let's head out to New York. We've got Ralph on with us right now. Ralph, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. How close is harvest for you guys? Uh, I'm guessing a week, 10 days on some early soybeans. So hopefully... Yeah, yeah. How does how do crops look there? They look really good. You know, we uh, we were dry early, but we've been wet ever since the Fourth of July. We had a terrible time cutting wheat, but uh, things things really have come through. There's some disease problems out there a little bit, some dead beans in some low areas. But I, I I'm hoping hoping we're going to average sixty bushel on the beans and maybe 180 to plus on the corn. So looking forward to it. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be fun. It's uh, the opposite of ours. Our situation is it hasn't rained. Uh, so, but you would think we aren't going to have any disease at all. But, but yet we still had just enough, and and it came right after crop yeah. canopy, and we got a little bit of disease in there too. Is it white mold, or what do you see uh, out in the beans? I, I don't see any white mold in ours, Darren. But you can run up and down the roads, and it's it's visible from the roads at fifty to sixty mile an hour. So you. Go, you know it's got to be pretty bad out there in some places, but we, we, we try to plant varieties that have some resistance all the time. So we, we, I know we've got some, but not enough to worry about. So just hoping for the best. Now we were super hot here, and it it pushed the corn along a lot. Is your corn coming along nicely, or has it still got a little ways to go? No, we we've been pretty well the opposite completely. You, Aaron. we uh we've been wet and we've been cool. I think we had a couple ninety degree days about a week ago. 10 days ago, something like that, but very few 90 degree days all summer long. So, but the corn, you know, it's one of those things you think it's behind, but it, we're all fully dented now. I don't know where the milk wine is or anything, but uh, it, it's coming good. It, it'll be ready when it's ready and we'll harvest it, whatever it is. Was it smoke that partially cooled you guys down? Did you have a lot of smoky days up there? I think so. Back in June, we had days, it was just like a yellow fog, it, you know, you you could even smell some smoke a couple of times, but it was mainly the, the fires were north of us in Quebec, northern Ontario. The ones that came out in the west, we got that smoke once in a while that you guys probably saw the same stuff. But, you know, most of our bad stuff was in June. And I, I think it held the crop back. But, you know, we've got the greenest corn and soybeans we've ever grown, I think, in our lives. If there was some sulfur in maybe the smoke, we, we don't know. We're not agronomists. We don't know that. But. It's sure we've got great crops and we had the smoke. So unfortunately, the Canadians lost some trees. We gained some really good crops, I think. You know, I should have given Brian a hard time about that, Ralph. He's always complaining that the air got too clean and we aren't getting all the free sulfur that we used to get. Maybe this is just how we're going to do it now. We're going to have some of those smoky days, going to drop a little sulfur on the crop, and we'll all be good. Yeah, maybe we'll take it any way we can get it. We'll buy it if we have to, but if we can get it free out of the sky, we'll, we'll smile from ear to ear. All right, talk to us about uh, uh, what happens after harvest for you guys. Do you get out and soil sample? Is it fertility applications, tillage, uh, winter crops? What's next? We do. Right now, Brian, we, our, our, those early beans, the 09s, are about oh, 75 80% of the leaves are off of them. We've got wheat planted in them, to wheat for seed. We're also putting cover crops out now on any beans that have started to lose their leaves. I think we've I think we're up to about, oh, 800 acres of the cover crop done, which is maybe two-thirds. And I think he's three-quarters of the wheat actually planted in the ones that we're going to save for seed. So we're doing that now. When we get into harvest, we'll start strip-tilling all the soybean ground with the map fertilizer for next year's corn crop. And then there'll be a person that we hire that comes in and pulls soil tests whenever he gets a chance to get it done there before fall, so we know. But we'll we'll pretty well put a they'll, – they'll use a – Variable rate for the map, but I don't know how. I think they determined that from last year's soil test that they pulled on those fields, not this year's. Sure, sure, yeah. Lots of work to get done in the fall, no doubt about that. Never a shortage of work to do on the farm. Never. Right? I have some grandkids get off the bus here in you know, a few minutes, and we, I got a list of stuff long and they're going to get done today, and I'm hoping they come back this weekend to do some more. <laughs> but there's, there's always stuff on the farm he's doing, always. Absolutely. Well, Ralph, great talking to you. It sounds, uh, sounds like you got a really nice crop coming. Uh, good luck. Stay safe this harvest season. You guys, too. Have a safe harvest. See you later. Brian, uh, 
had a question that came in here, and I thought this one was kind of interesting. It's from Diego down in Argentina, and he, he's looking for nitrogen fixation products for wheat and corn. I know we did a lot of studies on that last year. Uh, and he said, You're I'm saying uh, biological nitrogen products? Yeah, biological products. products. And he, he's looking at uh, uh, a certain bug, and he, he lists it's a very long name, and I'm probably going to. Okay, so what's the question? Uh, he's just curious if we've done a lot of trials on these types yes. of things. And, you know, the one that you mentioned, Diego, is is one that's been out for a long time. Uh, but, but yeah, go ahead, Brian. Well, I was just going to say what we found in, in our research is that pretty much all those biological nitrogen replacement products work. Here are the two challenges. Number one, you have to make sure nitrogen is a yield-limiting factor. That's a really big deal. So if you already have enough, if your plant already has enough nitrogen, adding one of these things isn't going to help at all. Just think about it logically. If I've already got enough nitrogen, why would adding more gain me yield? It's not going to. So that's number one. Number two is the cost. How much does this cost compared to commercial fertilizer? What we found so far is commercial nitrogen, at least at today's prices, which are down, keep in mind, uh, commercial fertilizer is cheaper. So those are my two biggest challenges. Now, another thing that a lot of people will mention is just they're worried about, okay, is this bug, uh, basically is what it is, It's a, or a microbe, is this microbe going to live and going to provide the nitrogen? You have to keep it alive. Because it's living, you have to keep it alive, which means you can't have bad water, for example. So if you've got chlorine in your water, that'll kill it. Even some hard water ions, even super high pH, things like that can be harmful to some of these microbes. So just make sure you've adjusted those things. We use a product that probably costs about $0.03 cents an acre on our farm to turn chlorine into chloride. So that's absolutely critical. And then beyond that, I guess I'd just say if you're getting regulated in terms of how much nitrogen you can apply with commercial in, then that's really, in my opinion, where the a lot of these things fit today. But in the long term, I don't know what these will be priced at. And maybe in your country, they're priced even cheaper than commercial nitrogen. Okay, well, then it makes complete sense. But again, don't forget my very first point. Nitrogen has to be a yield limiting factor. If it's not, it's never going to work for you. Well, and I think it's a good idea that you're doing testing on these things. That particular bug that you've got has been out. I think it was discovered in 1987. So it's it's been around for a long time. And we have seen a couple trials on that one where it hurt yield. And here's one of the things to watch for. What do those bacteria do if we don't get the right rainfall, if we don't have good sunlight, if we don't have all those things? That particular bacteria will keep pulling sugars. It needs to be fed. And there's a couple of them out there that we've seen that are that way that, hey, uh, if we have a bad year, it could actually hurt you and hurt your yield. So yeah, be curious to see what your trial data is. There are lots of products out there and there are some good ones. Like Brian said, nitrogen prices have come down, which is kind of a nice thing. So I don't know what demand for these types of products will be for this year, but it's really good information to know. And, and if you happen to be in a situation where uh, you're regulated on how much nitrogen you can use. These things do produce some nitrogen and do offer us uh, another choice. Hey, Brian, I get a question that came from Tom, and he said, I'm curious, has anybody sprayed hydrogen peroxide or, or sanidate in soybeans? Yep. Have you seen any impact on white mold? No. So, yeah, I've had many questions on that. And we, so Darren and I went around doing a bunch of meetings with farmers over the last month. And I bet I had that exact question five times 
Um, no, we haven't seen any gain. Now, that's not to say you can't try it and maybe that by chance might work, but no, we haven't seen that that works. I'll say this too, because I did talk quite a bit about white mold in all the meetings I did, and I just said, guys, look, if you think you're going to go spray one shot of anything, this one fungicide, anything, and that's going to give you all the white mold control you need, uh, yeah, it's not, okay? It's not. We have about 10 things that we would talk about where if you are really serious about, hey, I have to solve this white mold problem, it's bad. Like on our farm, we've literally had 100% yield loss. We'll talk about all these things. So it's little lower population, wider rows, better variety tolerance, uh, seed treatment, several shots of fungicide, use contents as a biological, use manganese, have good drainage. You see where I'm going with this. Takes many things to solve white mold. Stay tuned. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.claas.com. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. 
minimize resistance, and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, got Robert in the queue here, but I want to catch Charlie's question first. Charlie down in Iowa. How you doing, Charlie? I'm doing good. What can we do for you? Well, I'm, I'm, we've got a new company coming to town that's wanting to buy corn stover. And they've got these heads with augers under them that are catching the stuff on the corn head and winrowing it. So that's what they're going to bail. And they're telling me that they're going to take no more than two tons per acre. And they're cutting the stalks 12 inches above the ground. Well, here's the deal. On 240 bushel corn, if you took all the stover off, you're going to take about 38 pounds of P205 and 260 pounds of K2O. They're telling me that most of the nutrients are in the bottom 12 inches of the stalk and the root. I don't know if I buy that from all my agronomy experience. Um, they're not super wrong on that. And I will say this, a lot of times by late in the season with, with rains, potassium has flushed out of your plant to some degree. So the only way to truly know this, unfortunately, though, Charlie, is you'd literally have to take some of the residue and send it in for analysis. We say this all the time because we get this question real commonly. And and they're right in that the roots still have a lot of nutrients and the bottom 12 inches still has quite a bit. But I'm with you. I, I mean, it's worth something. So I was just looking up uh, some information I had from, and granted, this was 10 years ago, but Michigan State had done a study and they looked at NP and K and they said it was worth $31 a ton in your corn stover. So if you have two tons, that's $62 worth of fertilizer. Now, granted, fertilizer prices are different and everything else. I get that, but I'm just saying it could be worth a lot. So you hate to give up nutrients. I mean, we can probably all survive giving up a little bit of residue, but giving up the nutrients, we got to replace those dollars somehow, some way. And I'm assuming that's what your real question is here is, are you going to get paid back enough to justify the extra expense in fertilizer, right? That is part of my question. The other is, and you've partially answered already that the nutrients have moved on. I didn't know if I bought that idea or not. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying all of them or anything else, but yeah, when you talk about 260 pounds, there's nowhere near that in what your residue is going to have. And even the phosphate, I don't think that's going to be anywhere near as high. So um, what, just so you know, what Michigan State had in their thing, they said 32 pounds on the K2O and eight pounds on the phosphate. But, but again, Every every field is probably going to be different, and it absolutely makes a difference what you've had for late season rainfall and your your corn growth and all that kind of stuff. So no, I I I would do a little analysis or put it this way: if you start small and you go, okay, I'll work with you on a little bit, fine. And then you have this year to kind of test, and I'd be pulling samples out of my stocks or out of my residue, and then I would see, all right, what am I giving them? What's that really worth? What's my cost? And then every year you're going to have to adjust based on fertilizer prices because if fertilizer prices go up, obviously you got to get a lot more for that that uh, stover they're taking. 
Right, because this year our fertilizer costs are going to be considerably different than they were a year ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. And so they're telling me that they're only taking 5% of the P&K out of there. And then they're also telling me that they are going to test the stover as it's brought into the plant. And if it's more than that, they will pay me for it. <laughs> um, yep, but, I under, I, I can hear the skepticism in your voice. I would be just as skeptical as you are because I don't really trust that a lot of those things are right. I like pulling my own tests for stuff that goes on or off my ground. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, these people are salespeople, and I've been in agronomy, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a farmer, but yep. I've been in agronomy most of my life, too. Yep. But, yep. And I don't claim to have all the answers by any means. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm just a little bit, a, a little bit touchy about this stuff because they're, you know, they're paying you thirty dollars a ton for the stover and fifty-two dollars an acre for the P and K, but uh, you know, and so that, and then, then of course you can get carbon credits and all these other yeah. things, but. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I'm just gonna guess though that 30 tons for your stover. When you run the math, you're gonna go, okay, it's not like this home run deal or anything. Um, you're gonna spend most of that back in in replacement of nutrients. But I, I mean, I will say a lot of people like getting rid of at least a little bit of their residue because you you just mentioned 240 bushel corn. I hear more complaints about oh, I got so much residue and I don't know how to deal with it all than I do on the flip side, guys saying no, I want more residue. So, but yeah, I I mean most of that thirty dollars is probably going to have to get replaced in fertilizer. Well, I've always said you know these guys that are trying to bail corn stalks to sell, if you're bailing using it for your own use. You know, you need it, but as far as trying to bail a cornstalk, I've never been able to figure out how you can bail a cornstalk and sell it to somebody. You yep. never make any money at it. Yep, yep. Usually you, you, your fertilizer costs you more than what you got. Yeah, or you're just trading dollars. So, no, I'm with right. you. I agree, Charlie. And you were talking about, you know, if we had rain or not. Well, we're getting a little rain today, but we haven't had rain for weeks. Yep. I'm in, in the, Iowa. I, I know, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Well, hey, Charlie, and, if you uh, do run some of those tests on your stover, give us a call back or send us an email or something. Let us know how they turned out. How many pounds of each nutrient were there in each ton? Because I'd be curious to see how it was on your farm. I'm just going to tell you, we combined a few soybeans yesterday and the day before. And uh, yields are, I would have sold them for 40 bushel before we combined them. And they, and they made uh, 59, just shy of 60 bushel over the scale. Now, Charlie, uh, we hope that nobody from the Chicago Board of Trade is listening to what you just said there. We, the, the, the yields are <laughs> terrible, right? No, we got to have a higher price. Well, so <laughs> They're not all going to be that way, I'll guarantee you. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, Charlie, thanks a lot for calling in. Thanks for the crop report, too. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. All right, we got Robert with us now in Illinois, and Robert sent in some pictures to talk about as well. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Doing good. All right, got your pictures. Looking at uh, some differences in corn. You got some big corn, some not so big corn, and and of course we're a little farther down the road now in the season. What are you seeing right now? When I go out to that spot, and I I plan on hand harvesting some ears, so this is one of those bad stories that has a silver lining um earlier this spring whenever the corn came up and was probably in four or five leaf stage 
my son was really agitated. The whole field was kind of splotchy and um, got uh, our seed DSM out there and they were walking over it and they found this, this area that's in the pictures. And last fall when he was strip tilling this, he was having GPS issues. And uh, apparently what happened was he stopped and he got off the measure to see whether the road distance, whether he's where he needed to be. And um, <clears throat> so where he stopped, it, I'm calling it a dump. <laughs> he blobbed out a bunch of fertilizer, kind of the same way a corn planter does with seed. And um, and then when he started back up, what we're looking at in the, the one picture is essentially zero P and K for like 30 or 40 feet. And then that dry stretch that we had in, in June that we probably had a month or more of no no rain, potassium dis deficiency showed up in, in that area. And so I got to targeting this with tissue testing and, and kind of just studying that that area the whole year. So something bad hopefully turns into yeah. something good. Yeah, I, lo I love those so, unintended check strips. That's exactly right. Now, one thing that's obvious is that the, I don't know, I have no clue how many thousand pounds of fertilizer was dumped in that 16 rows where it stopped. <laughs> yep. It sure didn't hurt anything. No. Um, at all. <laughs> and uh, now the other thing, um, I mean, it's obvious potassium deficiency. And if you're able to decode my my code on the, on the if the second or the third picture came through with the tissue test, um, that on the first test that I did, there was a dramatic uh, difference in the potassium. Hey, Robert, and let's let's talk about it. Hang on for us just a second. We got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back okay. with with more discussion on this. But you know, we've got an unintentional check strip in a field where fertilizer got put on at a high rate versus no fertilizer. Pretty interesting results. We'll talk more about it right after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at Farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall. The tractor that is the one for all. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. 
and with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Kind of got an interesting one going here with Robert over in Illinois. And of course, our phone lines are open. If you have a question or want to talk about something on your farm, 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Robert, you can decode your your uh, spreadsheet here. We've got an area where they got lots of fertilizer and an area that got no fertilizer. And uh, spoiler alert, where there's a lot of fertilizer, it's dark green and the corn's taller. It looks fantastic. And of course, where it didn't get the fertilizer, uh, you see why you were putting on fertilizer in the first place. So you know you're getting a return. That's right. All right. So, so what, what, what questions, what comments do you have? <laughs> well, you know, when when uh, you look at things like that, and I, I look at it like pastures. Sometimes guys will say, man, I can see everywhere where uh, where a cow uh, dropped a, a pile out in the pasture. I've got dark green grass there. What does that tell you, Darren? And I said, it tells me you need to put some fertilizer on the pasture because you're getting a response. And, and here, I mean, it looks like, hey, we, we might even want to try and build fertility levels past that because just looking at your spreadsheet here with – some of the nutrient levels, I mean, I'd love to see more boron in the test. I'd love to see more zinc in the test. I'd love to see more P and K. I'd love to see a higher rate of nitrogen in the test. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just that little area, what those ears look like and, and what kind of potential yield difference there is. So uh, just a bit more background on that. Two years ago, we pulled off 270 bushel corn off that field. Wow. And it's it's not prairie soil. It's variable. Uh, it's it was the right hybrid and the right scenario and we had 75 bushel beans last year so we've not kept up on 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 the fertility side of things and i think that makes it an extreme you know situation so so it didn't it didn't rain and it shows up beautiful we've never seen out in our prairie soils for a strip till if we had if we ran out or something we've never seen something like that show up um on our but this this was an extreme I think we're very low on potassium. Now, the thing that concerns me about this is not the potassium on the on the tissues, but the fact that phosphate did not. And you may you may see more in it than I do, but the phosphate numbers are not 
they didn't have an extreme jump there where the where the fertilizer was dumped. It was higher, but it, uh, so we're we're putting we're injecting about six or seven inches deep. So we're not going as deep as what you guys typically are, and um, we're limited on horsepower on on being able to go any deeper. Okay. But uh, uh, what <laughs> what what do you think besides just pouring more of everything on? Um, uh, what what are your thoughts? Well, my thought is. I need to see a soil test. If we see the soil test, then I'm going to have a lot better idea. I never want to make fertilizer recommendations based off tissue tests only. Well, and I will say this too, in dry weather, it's hard for for the phosphorus to really break down. It doesn't move very well in soil, and dry phosphorus is going to be tougher to break down. Uh, I mean, not that dry potassium is, is going to break down that much better, but there's just a little bit more movement to it. So that could be could be part of that as well. I, I do have some in-crop <clears throat> soil samples that um, I'll, I'll send to Janelle. But, um, but they're low. <laughs> I know they're low. Yep. Um, and I did, I did on the second attempt, I did definitely try to get into the strip and, and look at what was going on there. One thing that puzzled me uh, from some compaction pits I dug from maybe three years ago that I expect anytime I got a band of phosphate to see a proliferation of roots, and where I've done these compaction pits on more of a prairie or a he- really heavy soil, at seven inches deep, it it did not seem like it, that it affected the root pattern the way a band of 1034-0 up like two inches beside the row always encourages a bunch of, of root proliferation there. But, uh, sure. I, but yeah, I, I your appreciate crop, your Your crop is doing a really nice job extracting what it can, too. That's the other thing that I see here. There's a lot of good things you got going on. And, yeah, you've had a lot of nutrient removal by raising high yields. But, hey, that's your job as a farmer. Dump fertilizer out there uh, where you need it and try and remove as much of it as you can and turn it into bushels. And sounds like you're doing a good yeah. job at that. It's just that these yields are getting so good that uh, it's going to be a little expensive putting that fertility back up. Well, my, my son's writing the checks, and sometimes it's kind of hard to – I sort of the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, uh, so anyway, I, I thank you for your You bet. Time. Thanks, Robert. Oh. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We got uh, Russ on right now up in West Virginia. And, Russell, I just vi- I just visited your beautiful state about a week or so ago. Uh, man, I love West Virginia. That's a great place. Oh, yeah? Well, glad that you got to come out here. You bet. You bet. Uh, what's happening on your farm right now? Uh, we're just getting all of our uh, um, um, uh, harvest e- 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 equipment out of the shed, uh, going over the combine, getting things ready to rock and roll here in a couple of weeks. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a big job, getting everything ready yeah, and, and set up and so forth. Are you are you doing anything different, or are you just kind of maintaining equipment that you've had, so just got to do some touch-ups? Uh, well, we actually just put a put a a a a, a, a new set of um uh, Estes uh, XPR2 concaves in our combine. The uh, the deer round bars were getting pretty worn down, so we decided we would give these a try. Awesome, awesome! I think you're gonna like yep. them. We we really like the grain quality that that came out. It did a nice job thrushing. Yeah, yeah. There we'd always had had some um um uh, uh trouble with the uh, round bars cracking kernels and stuff because we like to start around 24 percent moisture. Um, and we always found that they did cause a little bit more grain damage than we would like. 
All right, so the big guess is what's your yield going to be this year? Is it going to be average? Is it going to be above average or below? It looked pretty dry. I was in northern West Virginia. It looked awfully dry out there. Well, I think we're probably going to be in, in pretty good uh, shape this year. Uh, I've been out doing some uh, yield checks. and We're going to have some fields that will probably be pushing close to 260 to, to, to 270 bushels. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Yep. Good for you guys. Yep. That's fantastic. And and a good market right now too. That that makes it yep. fun. No doubt about it. It helps pay for those concaves, that's for sure. It does. It does. <laughs> they definitely aren't the cheapest things in the world. No, no, they don't give them away anymore. But uh, we did see a nice return on investment. And yeah, if you're going to be uh, shelling out 260, 270 bushel corn, uh, I think you're going to get a payback pretty quick. Hey, Russ, thank you yeah. so much. Really, really appreciate having you on. I know you got a lot of work to do here getting ready for harvest. But good luck to you guys and stay safe this harvest. All right. You have a good one. You bet. Got Gordon with us up in Michigan. Gordon, how you doing? Yeah, good afternoon, Darren. Doing good. Uh, we're getting started to plant some wheat, and I want to try your recommendation of some prepare and sharpen as a as a pre-merge product or incorporated. And I was wondering if uh, 28% can be used as a carrier for those two herbicides, if there's any, Absolutely. any issues that you know of. Yep, no problem. Okay. And both okay. sharpen and prepare will have decent burn down. You add 28% to it, that'll give you even more burn down. So yes, the, this could be used in conventional till or no-till. Okay. Do you have a preference whether it's a pre-merge or incorporated? Normally, we like everything incorporated. Uh, then it takes okay. less rain for the soil residual to work. But we really don't have a, a real big problem if you want to just spray this over the top. Uh, that's just fine. The key thing is if you are going to spray it over the top, just make sure you do it before the wheat starts coming out of the ground because otherwise the sharpen would ding up the wheat. The prepare wouldn't. The prepare would be fine if the, the wheat was spiking, but the sharpen, that would hurt it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Gordon. Appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Yep. You too. You know, Gordon brings up a good point here talking about pre-emerge herbicides for wheat, and that's something that I do think a lot of folks miss out on. If you haven't tried the pre-emerge herbicides in wheat, look at what your target weeds are, the the ones that you're having the most trouble with. And I've been talking to more farmers each year that kochia is becoming a problem. Uh, water hemp is really becoming more of a problem in some of the wheat growing areas, and that's a relatively new one for some of the guys. Sharpen does a really nice job at a couple ounces. It's safe. You can use it for a burn down also. It's got a lot of heat to it. And man, if you can knock those broadleaves out and get your wheat crop established, you can choke it out and have pretty clean fields. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There isn't any other. Is there any other? Oh, yeah, I guess another PPO you might be using in wheat, AIM. So you could potentially use AIM as a burn down product as well. I suppose it could be used early post emerge, but I mean, Otherwise, this is a mode of action you're not going to be using, and AIM doesn't have residual, Sharpen does. So yeah, we like both Sharpen and Prepare. Prepare's really inexpensive, Sharpen's not too bad, but I mean, Sharpen can give you some great control on water hemp and kochia, lambs, quarters, ragweed, stuff like that. So we do really like it in wheat and corn and a number of other crops. Well, thanks for the questions today. We really appreciated all the calls and questions on today's Farmer Friday program. If you have any agronomic questions that come up this fall, just send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to today's program, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.